you are now listening to Hint of Lemon. Hello, long time no see. Right off the bat, welcome everybody. It's been probably a couple months since I last recorded, but today's guest is someone that I met while working in the education field. So as an educator, I strictly remember her just shining in her own classroom, just being able to make an impact on the middle schoolers that we were working with. But I also think it took an even better turn because we also became friends outside of the classroom along with Jen and Lindsay. So shout out to you guys. I think our friendship, just to put it in a nutshell, was very natural despite the short time that we had with each other because, you know, eventually you move. Without giving too much away, I'd like to introduce you guys to Ellen, a.k.a. Megara, a.k.a. <laughs> the one and only Freebird. Oh, all good nicknames. <laughs> Excited to be here. <laughs> so we've probably haven't caught up in a while, but just kind of overall, let me know what you've been up to since moving back to Kentucky and just trying to adapt with all this craziness that unfortunately is still happening. Gosh, I guess I left in like 2018. Was that right? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. I went back and continued to teach middle school, which I've done for the past nine years. Um, And I actually just switched to a new school this year. So I'd say for the past two and a half years, teaching has been a lot would be the way I always would describe it. Just constantly adapting to something new every day, trying to figure things out on the fly, remembering things, you know, and in a normal year you have so much to remember and then COVID hits and you got just like everything going on at once. I mean, I always say that like the kids really, really have been the best about it you know way better than adults and parents yeah. and things like that and politicians the kids have adapted the best i think out of it how have you been overall though <laughs> um, i think the Ooh. best part about that is that based off your answer it already shows that you know you're like talking with you and just being your friend because you always have a positive spin on things and i think that just speaks to your character which i appreciate but i do want to know how have you been because you know <laughs> i'm sure there's been some rough days and some better days yeah, absolutely. I mean, stressed out the past since. For sure. That's real. Yeah. Yeah. March 2020. I mean, summers were good, but like good. stressed out of just trying to stay on top of everything and keep not letting something like drop and stuff like that. So I'd say stressed out is a great way to describe it. For sure. I mean, how have you been um, like letting loose, especially since you're coming back from the summer? Because I know you're pretty big on just hanging out with your family. Yeah, definitely. I see them still quite a bit and stuff. Yeah. I always find walking, hanging out with my dog to be really helpful in terms of those kind of things. I still need to get myself in a better routine for this school year of like, okay, when can I turn my brain off kind of thing? Right. Yeah. Well, hang in there. I mean, again, (laughs) like we were talking a little bit before this, but like, I think it's just crazy how big of a shift that we have to make in our lives still. Like, Personally, I'm still not used to working from home and, you know, it's already been like two years, (laughs) two years, right? Yeah. yeah. And do not like working from home. It has its challenges. Uh, I think the perks that I can think of right now are like, you literally have five minutes to get ready. Then it's like, all right, let me go in my first meeting. 
Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty convenient, but I think the social aspect is definitely taking a toll on me lately, but it is what it is, you know. That's why I kind of enjoy like these video talks too. Like it kind of gets us out of our element for once. Yes, yeah. Cuz yeah, even at school, you know, there's just so many rules that the kids and we still have to follow about distancing. Yeah. It's changed how you can teach, right? Like in terms of grouping kids and doing partner work, you it's kind of not there, which was a big part of, I think, how I taught. And all yeah. of a sudden, you know, they take it away and you're like, okay, let's readapt how this should look. Just to give you guys an overview too, again, Ellen's in Kentucky and they've been in person basically early on in the pandemic. Yeah. So we ended the 2020 school year yeah. that March, April and May virtual and even then, it wasn't like Zoom meetings and things like that. It was way more like what they call asynchronous learning, where they're working on their own and you're kind of just answering questions and stuff. Then we started back in August, back in person, mm. masked, distance and stuff. But we've been in person pretty much the whole time since then with a brief interlude between Thanksgiving and Christmas of last year. See, and that's crazy to hear. Like we were saying here in Washington, at least, they're just starting to go in person. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of insights that you have. And I'm sure you have a different strategies in your, your approach to being an educator compared to what people are just finding out now as we speak. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still say every day is a learning curve and some For of sure. those things. But definitely last year, every day was a learning curve you know, you'd have kids at home and you would still be teaching while there were kids at home. So learning how to make sure that you're constantly sharing your screen or that they can see you, hear you, you have everything posted online as well as printed out. And, yeah. you know, you're really kind of trying to do two things at once. And then, you know, getting emails like my internet dropped you. And so then I have to tell them what we did that day. It's a learning curve. Yeah. <laughs> I think with you, especially like it's hard to personalize your yeah. teaching style in this case. It's like it just seems so cut and dry, especially at the beginning, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. 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 Again, congrats on your new job. You know, I'm just yeah, really you. excited with like how you're continuing to do, you know, the greatness that you do with future generation. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I try sometimes. <laughs> I try. Yeah. Let's just jump into it. So do you talk about how you even came about moving here to Seattle and how we cross paths. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it really came from just kind of wanting a change of scenery. And I love the outdoors. I had some friends out there who still live there, too. Uh, so I was like, oh, this is where I'm going to kind of try. I wanted to switch things up. And so then Mark was a teacher's aide for the middle school. And part of the time he would spend in my classroom, I actually remember one of the first times I met you, yeah. you offered to do my door decoration. Yeah. Um, and I hate door decorating. So I was like, this is great. <laughs> this is awesome right away. And then it kind of just went from there. I think, you know, through the year, like you said, we kind of switched from just colleague kind of things to yeah. becoming friends. I think one day you and Jen and Lindsay invited me after school to either get food or get ice cream. Yeah. One of the two. And we ended up hanging out like all evening. I think I Pretty got sure home at like 11. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, that was really fun. Yeah, yeah. We really bonded over seeing Black Panther together. That's right. Like, yeah. That provided most of our jokes for... <laughs> the rest of the school year yeah and that was it was just a lot of fun like as moving somewhere new and stuff to get to know you guys and to have people at work who were also friends I want to speak on that too because uh <laughs> I think it's just so funny because yeah again I was an IA and I think one thing that we found out was that you've never really worked with an IA before no and never I've never had either 
I grew up in a private school. I would say it's a fairly new role, especially within a private school. But anyways, I just remember just not being utilized by you because, you know, you had everything (laughs) under control. So I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) I tried to make jobs for you when I could. (laughs) No, I'm not throwing shade at all. But I just remember being like, man, she doesn't need me at all. So I guess I'll just chill in here. And, you know, lo and behold, we just end up, you know, talking and just getting to know each other. And then we got like Lindsay and Jen in the mix. And I think that's where it just became natural. And we're like, well, you're around our age. So that was a <laughs> you plus. You seem to like ice cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you seem to be, you know, a down-to-earth person. So we just kind of went with it. What's a memorable or funny moment that we had as friends, especially when the four of us would all get together? I remember that day that we, it might have even been graduation. And we went and ate, and then we were like, oh, there's still time. Let's go hang out on that dock. Oh, yeah. And you guys were like, okay, and just walked out, and I was absolutely freezing because (laughs) some of us haven't quite adapted to that it didn't get as hot as I was used to in June. And so I had to find a blanket in Jen's (laughs) car to, like, wrap myself in uh, (laughs) to go sit on the dock with you guys. And it was then was just a lot of fun. We just, like, sat on the dock and chatted for, like, an hour about everything. And that was just a lot of fun. I think that infamous picture is definitely on Instagram somewhere. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's great. (laughs) Oh, also, I have to mention one of my favorite moments and dramatic moments of we were going to go to the Seattle Mariners here it is. Yep. I know you're (laughs) listening, Lindsay. Yep. Sorry, Lindsay. And Lindsay was going to park near my apartment and couldn't parallel park. So I was like, okay, well, I'll help you parallel park because I live here. I could do that. And so we both got out of her car and shut the doors at the same time. And my car doesn't automatically lock when you do that. Yeah. But hers did. And we were in the middle of the street. Her car was on and we were locked out of it. <laughs> um, just to add more to the sting, it took us forever to get to you know your house um in seattle and then you know we just figured oh yeah let's just find a parking spot let's get settled and then let's take an uber to the game mind you it was snuggy night and that's the worst part um i'm a little salty (laughs) still and everybody knows this (laughs) so we ended up yeah you guys not you uh lindsay locked herself out of her car we ended up waiting for like AAA for like hour, oh, couple so hours. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, then we, we still made it to the game. Didn't get our Snuggie and all, but had some beer and, you know, chilled. Oh, I still remember that. We tried to go early. We did. And that's the worst part about it. <laughs> well, the evening just got worse. And I was like, what the fuck, bro? We're not going to get our Snuggies. Yeah. I was so bitter. Anyways. And then one of our students came in the next day and told us about the fact that he got a Snuggie. <laughs> I think that's the worst part about working with kids sometimes. Like, they just, they're not forgiving when it comes to those things. Even though no. I remember being like, yeah, we made it, like, by the second or third inning or something like that. And they're like, oh, well, anyways, I got what I wanted there. It's like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so- no yeah <laughs> but th- i think that story definitely captures our friendship in general just i think we really bonded the most because we just spent quality time with each other and of course yeah. conversation was always on point <laughs> we're all sassy yes. in our own ways yeah oh, there's always yeah. bantering yes i kind of banter with with these three as if they're just the dudes <laughs> you guys are the homies okay. yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely definitely do So overall, I would say our friendship has definitely grown a little bit, I think. Also, the fact that you are further 
I am waiting till the next time that we all get together. You know, we're oh, all yeah. just doing our own thing. Growing up sucks, and I'm just happy where we all are right now. And I think it's cool. We I still talk to you. I mean, you know, I sure. haven't seen you in person in <laughs> three plus years. It's been and a while, yeah. We still chat and send each other things on Instagram. That's the power of <laughs> IG, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, got all the memes. <laughs> I do like keeping up with you guys once in a while, though. It's definitely yeah. reminds me of where I've been. Yeah. Not to sound too cheesy here. <laughs> So going over the reason why I did invite Ellen today is one thing I noticed when working with her is that her passion for working with students, but also just easing into just connecting with others in her own unique way. So as a person, you'll quickly learn that she's a pretty easygoing and go with the flow type of gal. She's very down to earth. Easy to laugh with, very quick wit. Um, again, going back to just the sass, a lot of snappy yeah, remarks, absolutely. you know, 200 IQ over here, definitely, because uh, we will say something and then you'll just say something super offhand, but it's something that we kind of goes over our head most of the time, to be honest. <laughs> At least I find myself funny. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely have that gift. Aside from that, you have a quiet confidence, which I'm not sure if people have mentioned about you, but that's definitely something that you have. And as always, you have a very awkward yet lovable personality. So I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank about you. you. I, I think that's a fair assessment. <laughs> that was really nice. In terms of her sense of self, it's very strong. She's an avid reader, big Harry Potter fan, not the movies, the books, just to clarify. <laughs> One thing that I also learned in the classroom as well as just getting to know you and having the conversations that we all had as friends is that you're an avid traveler and you have a very adventurous spirit. So a lot of stories about, you know, road tripping with your close friends, just traveling and then that big trip to Australia. And I'm sure you've had a few, you know, before the pandemic hit, obviously. Ultimately, you seem to have a very unique outlook on life. I want to say that's part of being an insightful person that you are, but also being an adventurous person that you are. So you're always open to new ideas and um, maybe that's through traveling also. So I, I kind of want to jump into that. Yeah. Other aspects of just becoming an educator and your journey to where you are now. Oh yeah. Traveling is like one of my favorite things to do. The pandemic has really uh, put a squash on that. It's been kind of hard, you know, as a teacher, one of the perks is having that time off where I would do it. Yeah. And I mean, as a teacher, that means I was always doing it budget style, staying in lots of hostels, been in hostels in so many countries uh, in those dorm rooms with people. But I feel like that's also where you have those great conversations with people who you're like, you know, our lives are so different. You live in a totally different part of the world. You have this, you know, completely different outlook on life and perspective. And that's a lot of fun. Yeah. As well as just in general, you know, I love seeing new places and just getting to experience new places. When I was really little, up until the age of 10, my grandpa actually lived in Belize. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we, that's like where it kind of started. So we would go visit, if I wanted to visit him, we would go there, Belize and Guatemala. Yeah, so kind of talk more on that. I mean, that kind of goes into what I wanted to ask, which was in terms of your upbringing, like how much of that experience do you think has affected how you look at the world or others? I think in a lot of ways, like coupled with how my parents raised us about, you know, always encouraging it when I, you know, whenever I wanted to go and say did wanted to go 
to Europe with my friends and I was like 19 and we yeah. were in a backpack and stuff. And my parents were like, all right, if you have the money, go for it kind yeah. of thing, because they saw the benefits of it because my grandpa saw the benefits of it and all those kind of things that went along with it. And I think that's why I've always wanted to travel and go places, mm. which I think is what made me really like teaching like geography is I've taught a lot of kids who have never left the country, you yeah. know, and might never leave, leave the country. So getting to talk with them to be like, okay, here's somebody who has done it. It's possible. Yeah. It's not crazy is always kind of fun. Going into childhood, how would you describe yourself like as a kid just growing up and, you know, how was life? Did you grow up in Kentucky? Yeah, I did in the northern part of it. So right across the river from Cincinnati. So grew up there. Man, childhood me. I would say pretty similar to now me. I had my very dry moments, you know, of <laughs> telling people exactly how things were, but pretty reserved. I loved school. I loved to learn. I would play school and stuff like that as yeah. a little kid with people because I loved that. Always liked soccer. Really hung out with my brother a lot growing up. So, yeah. No, yeah, that's a big thing, too. I mean, I think just the way that people kind of carry themselves now, now that we are older. I at least think that that reflects a little bit of how you're raised. And it seems to be that family is a pretty important value for you guys. Yes, absolutely. We all see each other a lot really close. Uh, and I think that's really great in terms of who my influences are and yeah. stuff like that. And how we all get along for the most part, <laughs> you know, at this point. So kind of fast forwarding, you know, obviously to high school or college or whatever, just jumping into it, like what about being an educator really made you gravitate towards that? You already mentioned that you like playing school at a young age. What about that kind of grew into thinking it can become a career? I guess I always kind of thought of it. I think because I love school mm -hmm. and like I love to learn. And then I think in high school, I just had some teachers that I had that were just so great mm. and were creative and made me think about things differently. And I guess to me, I was like, how much of a blessing would it be if I could be a person to help yeah. somebody else love to learn the way that these people have made me love to learn? I guess I've always seen it as some kind of a privilege, you know, to get to be that kind of influence in people's lives. So yeah. That really drew me to it. And I think then specifically, because I mainly deal with social studies, I had, you know, a senior year high school teacher and I just, he was goofy in a very dry and sarcastic way. And mm -hmm. his lessons were always like, what are we going to do today kind of thing. But I learned a lot and not to say every day was like fascinating. Right, right. right? Some days he was lecturing and stuff, but he kind of just mixed it up all the time. And I was like, that's, this is it. This is, this is awesome kind of thing. Not giving the shout out to their specific <laughs> names, but I guess what were some of the things that you gravitated towards when thinking of those impactful teachers that you had specifically in high school in this case? Um, well, some of them did a good job of just like being creative with how they presented things mm -hmm. and like the activities we did. They were very interactive. Right. And sometimes I think making history interactive isn't as easy as say science. So they were able to do that. Or like I could just really tell how much this particular teacher loved what he was teaching, you yeah, know, and yeah. he found it fascinating. And if the person finds it fascinating, it's like, it's way easier for me to find it fascinating. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was awesome. And you kind of got more of the, you know, you're getting older and talking, like they're not talking to down to you, yeah. you know, which can happen in grade school, but more like acknowledging that, you know, both are people and like, we're going to talk to you like that versus a little kid or something. So I admired that too. 
God, that's no, that's so relatable because I already thought of like, there's only a handful of teachers that I had, not even just high school, but even grade school or middle school where you can really sense, you'd be surprised a kid can sense if you're (laughs) really into what you're teaching or even believe what you're saying. Yeah. I think that's such a big thing. And I mean, I like to think that we both can sense bullshit like right off the bat. (laughs) Right. I think that's the hard part about being an educator, which not everybody understands that, you know, some people are there just getting a check. But, you know, it's it's more than that. What it really comes down to, especially if you're trying to make an impact or quote unquote impact. It's definitely an emotional investment of your of yourself. Yeah. Do you have any highlights of uh, one teacher that comes to mind that, I mean, aside from that one history teacher, or was there a moment where it really made you think like this can turn, I can see myself in your shoes right now kind of moment? Or was that really not a thing? I don't know if I had like a moment. I have a teacher and she and I actually still talk, but she yeah. was also like my softball coach too. Mm. And, you know, it wasn't so much, I think the classes that I took with her, but her as a personality and stuff and her investment, I think, in knowing me and stuff, I think was part of it too. But I don't ever think I had like an aha moment. Yeah, yeah. I think it was just kind of over time of this is what I want to do. And then when I got to college, continuing to, I took a lot of history courses and stuff and I, you know, still liked it and all that kind of led into it. But I think I get what you're trying to say, though, in terms of like, I think the mentor aspect. Yeah, absolutely. Was something that probably really something you gravitated towards because I can see myself doing the same way. And that is part of the reason why I was interested in going in the education field. Yeah. I don't know. It's just interesting to hear everybody's experience because not everyone's fortunate to have impactful teachers, especially at a younger age, because I feel like that's where the magic does happen in terms of, you know, who have you ever really heard of somebody who wanted to be a teacher like later down, you know, in college, like maybe, maybe not as much, but it does make me think like those special moments happen pretty early on, I would say. Which is then sometimes as a teacher, nerve wracking to know that you know, it's great that you're making an impact, but also then you're like, oh, <laughs> you got to be careful right, with what you say and do. It's a, it's like, I don't know if I'm actually a, a should be a role model or, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, or myself, because right. not everybody can play that role. But anyways, was there ever a moment that made you not want to pursue being an educator? I wouldn't say I had a moment when I was going to become one. I mean, I think every teacher has moments of certain days, of certain weeks, of especially COVID years where you're just like, how am I going to keep doing this? You know, and I definitely think the past year and a half, two years, I don't even know how long at this point that there have been times when that definitely came up. Mm. And, you know, I just, you know, you kind of just keep thinking the pandemic will have to end, right? Right. Yeah. Um, in terms of like, how old are you now? If you don't mind saying I'm 29. Oh, okay. So think of when you did start as an educator. I am yeah. curious of what was your mentality then? Just what was your approach or your major goals as an educator? If any, I just kind of want to see how that relates to where you are now. Yeah. If you can talk on that. Hmm, I'm trying some of those things where you'll look back on your first year teaching and be like, oh, that's so cringy. Like, no, yeah. <laughs> that- or like, how did I think that works? Because um, you just didn't. Hey, trust me. I'm sure we were all there at one point. <laughs> I thought I could make a change in the world. And I was very hopeful yeah. once I graduated college. Not to say that I'm a little jaded. Things yeah. do change. Right. I think, too, you just get reality checked over time of understanding yeah. kids more, you know, than your first year of what you think is going to work and yeah. what maybe is the most effective tools for doing things. Because, you know, you come out being like, I've got this. 
And then I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many things I would have told first year <laughs> teacher to do differently. Yeah. How to just approach everything differently, you know? Take me through that first year at least of, because I know that you guys have to do teacher shadowing at the start, I believe. So you mean like before I became a... Yeah, don't you get shadowed at the beginning or you at least have to be an apprentice? So I spent like a semester taking classes and observing at a school is like an exhausting semester because I would be at school from eight to three and sometimes I would work in between and then go to night classes. And then your last semester is student teaching Mm. um, where you are like with another teacher, but kind of in charge of their classroom and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's what I actually did in Australia is I was ah. in my student teaching in Australia. So I was there for like six months with a school and teaching Australian geography, of which I was learning the day before I was teaching yeah. it in a lot of ways. But that experience was great. The teacher I shadowed underneath was excellent. I learned a lot about discipline, I think, from her because it was kind of a like there were some discipline issues and stuff. And I thought she was excellent. And she'd always give me pointers about things of like, just remember her being like after lessons that went well, she'd be like, this was great, you know, build them all up. But then one time I think I was taking over and I think I said, thank you. And she's like, I wouldn't say thank you. Like it should be expected and you're not thanking them. And I'm like, it was just the way she said it. And I was like, I hadn't thought of that. And Hmm. uh, so it was just a really great semester of learning and stuff. And then the first year we had, it's called an intern year. So I had more formal observations from an like a person at a local university would come in three or four times then my boss had to come in and then my mentor teacher that we were assigned to would come in wait that was a semester of college you said yes so that was my last semester of college Uh my master's getting my master's but yeah of of your master's excuse me so after that did you just jump straight into it once you moved back to kentucky (laughs) yeah it's kind of one of a surreal day where kids come in and, you know, it's one of the first only jobs I can think of where your first real day on the job, they're like, do everything like you're in charge now. Yeah. And you, you are, you're just there. And I do remember that first year that I didn't realize until November that I was supposed to be sending in lunch count every day. I just oh, didn't do it. <laughs> well, that those are one of the small tasks that you have yeah. to, you know what I mean? So I was like, how did no one catch me at this <laughs> You let me go a really long time without doing this basic task. And a kid ended up being the one who told me. He was just like, I think that we're supposed to get a lunch count in the morning. And I was like, oh, that sounds right. By the last semester. Yeah. (laughs) But that was with middle school or? It was, yeah. Okay. So that's, I started my first real school year teaching sixth, seventh, and eighth grade social studies. What made you choose to work with middle school? And just let me interject real quick, because I do remember one of the big things that I remember hearing from you, which I haven't heard from anybody in the time that I was working in a school, was that you mentioned that most teachers teach to an age range that they most resemble with. (laughs) And it just happened to be like, oh, first of all, I've never heard that. And second of all, it, it made me think and I was like, Oh God, that makes a lot of sense because I do resemble with, you know, sassy, yeah, super, uh, I don't know how to say this in the kindest way, just super unpredictable kids. Yeah, absolutely. Immature and, you know, my second nature is sarcasm, but yeah. Yeah, I actually got my degree to teach high school and... Mm. 
when I was doing my student teaching in Australia, their high schools have the one I was at had seventh through 12th grade in one building. Okay. So I actually ended up doing my majority of it in eighth grade as well as some 10th grade classes. And I just liked the age Yeah. and kind of was like, Oh, I'll be open to that. And then my first job was in middle school and still there. <laughs> what about it was something that you enjoyed at least? Um, they're not as set in their ways. There is still a little kid in them a lot especially like sixth grade where you can see that and the growth that you can see between sixth and eighth grade i think is amongst some of the biggest you're like you know you get them as like still little kids who play frozen at recess and then you let them go and they're getting ready to do all this critical analysis like you know it's just these big skills that you're learning through that time so you're really seeing a big growth and kind of still being there before they've solidified their views on things to kind of guide them through some of that it's interesting because that's also an age where they want to learn about life and it's a weird age where it's like they don't know enough but even though they act like they do And then once they hear something that comes from the real world, they just gravitate towards that. And I think that opens up a lot more of possibilities to have, I guess, more mature discussions, especially when it comes to the classroom. And I mentioned that because I remember how you would always talk about traveling specifically. And from my point of view, because, you know, a lot of the time I was in the back of the class, you know, kind of helping out or, you know, working with a student on the side. But I do remember... Just overall, how the kids would really gravitate towards your stories, especially your stories about teaching in Australia and then, you know, your road trip stories, which were usually funny. But kind of take me through that, just how traveling has enabled you to add new perspectives in the classroom. Give me that mindset that you have. Yeah, I think some of it is just to add that different perspective, which especially like I teach history, you know, and I'm teaching the Revolutionary War. And I would tell them, you know, I asked someone I met traveling who is a teacher what they teach about it in Britain, yeah. taught in Britain. And she was just like, well, we don't really. And I was like, oh, and she was just like, I mean, we own pretty much the whole world. So <laughs> this big moment in U.S. history is not a big moment in British history, yeah. you know. And I tell them that and to try to give perspective or we were talking about Native Americans and uh, stuff. And just to add into it, we would talk about Aboriginal Australians so that they can see some of the connections to things we think are, you know, the United States. And a lot of times we're very U.S. centric in how we think, which is understandable. Yeah. So to just kind of be like, okay, but this is what it is in other places and stuff. I think traveling really helps me have that perspective to share with them. Are there any new places that you do plan to eventually travel to? Always, you know, I... Yeah, what's on the bucket list for now? You know, I thought this past summer I was going to be able to go somewhere and I just didn't think that it was really going to be wise to do so even after being vaccinated, Yeah, uh, like leaving the country. There's, I would love to go to like Scandinavia and see Sweden, Norway, Finland area. I've never been there. I'd like to go to Morocco. I've never been to like South America, kind of do something there. I'm not exactly sure I'd like to do Peru, but Mm. uh, also like Chile or something as well. So it changes too, (laughs) based on different things. And how do you normally travel? And I mean that in sense like, I know some people will go to the most touristy spots or the most fancy restaurants, but how do you travel specifically? I'm always curious of that. I don't always, I mean, there are some things where I'm like, I really want to see this. And if 
my part too is like I don't if I wouldn't do it in my own city or country then I wouldn't do it there I'm much more uh, into the outdoors okay you know yeah, yeah so I like to choose pace, places based on that and some history stuff yeah I will go to certain history museums or things like I like the Tower of London when I've been to mm-hmm. London or certain World War II kind of tours or stuff like that. I enjoy those things. So I will do that kind of stuff. But I never went to the Space Needle the whole time I was in Seattle. <laughs> I mean, there's not much up there. Yeah. I mean, I've been to like the Louvre, I suppose, but I don't go like art museum hopping or anything like yeah. that. I'm more into, you know, doing things you can do outside, but you can see the city, get an experience of it. Those kind yeah. of things just kind of depends on where I am. What are some of the most favorite places that you have been so far? Well, I have to give Perth, Australia a shout out just because I was there for so long. The weather was like perfect the whole time. There were beaches everywhere. We went to the beach, you know, Fridays after work and stuff like that. So I will give it a shout out. But it always depends when I answer that. I liked Lisbon, Portugal a lot. Mm. Iceland, because I'm an outdoor person, we literally drove and camped our way around the country and it was awesome it was so much fun doing that i loved that i went to slovenia like 2017 i think and i loved that we hiked the whole time you know and it was just a little bit less crowded than like the alps and germany and stuff yeah we had so much fun so it really depends on the day (laughs) kind of speaking more on like the adventurous spirit that you do have when you do travel, mm-hmm. what do you bring in overall? Because it seems like your top priority is usually just to see the terrain, which is, you know, that's something yeah. that not everybody can experience. But I'm sure you've had like a lot of breathtaking moments. Oh, yeah. How do you even pack for that? First of all, just logistic wise. I mean, you have to plan on it, depending on how long you're going to be, that you might have to do laundry there or at least like wash stuff in a sink or something like uh, that. Okay. Yeah, I definitely had a time where I lost my bag and I had like two pairs of underwear because you <laughs> yeah. always should pack underwear in your carry-on bag. <laughs> yeah. I was literally washing it and drying it in this hostel room and wearing the other one and stuff. <laughs> so always overpack underwear. Yeah. That's great advice. Um, <laughs> usually no taken, like, no taken. My God. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends if it's going to be hot or not on shorts and stuff, but usually just like a couple of pairs of pants that I can switch between. And t-shirts that you could wear out as well as hiking and stuff, like solid colored ones, things like that. Okay. And limit my shoes, especially if it's in the summer, like a pair of nicer like sandals that I could wear out somewhere. And then like shoes you can walk in. Gotcha. And never bring new shoes that you have not worn. And then you figure out you get there and they give you blisters or something. (laughs) <laughs> See, that just shows how seasoned you are as a backpacker. Is that what it technically is? Yeah, I guess it is. I mean, because I carry a backpack, but, you know, but the action not, of... like, not hiking, backpacking. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. See, that's what I had to clarify really quick because you named off all these great places. But I think people also think like, oh, when I think of vacation, they think of the most comfortable clothes and then they have a different agenda. That's why I wanted to clarify, like, you definitely have your own way of traveling, which is very unique to what you want to do. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a little bit different than vacation, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. We're like sitting on the beach. Top recommendations for a place that you definitely should go to, even if it's just to see the view or meet the people. Like, what's something that comes to mind? 
man let's see uh, i went to angkor wat in cambodia mm. absolutely stunning and very like welcoming everything like the area around it everything was great the food was great so that was awesome and just beautiful to see mm. the ruins of it and get to explore those i love the like i think the alps i'm a mountain person though so i think the alps in europe somewhere beautiful you're a sound of music fan you know so those are places definitely that i was like they're awesome See, it's always refreshing to hear your stories of all these places that you've been. Like, even in this conversation, I didn't even actually know that you went to half of those, which (laughs) comes to show that, you know, there's so much more that we need to talk about. But no, I'm always shocked by this because, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of different perspectives that you've probably caught on to or you have a way more unique outlook of life based off, you know, people that you've met there or places that you've seen um, when I think of a beautiful like scenery, I think of just, you know, water and like a forest below it. But, you know, yeah, I'm sure there's way more pretty, than that. Washington is pretty gorgeous. So true. But <laughs> I get I'm more getting at the fact that, you know, you've there's probably an area of slums that you've passed, but then not too yeah. far from there is just a breathtaking view or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. So going back to being an educator. I do know that a big person that you would always talk about was a very lovely lady named Sister Mary Helen. (laughs) She wasn't actually a sister, but yes. Oh, well, that's what I remember. (laughs) But I might have called her that at some point. Oh, okay. But she's wonderful. And the name Mary Helen would make it sound like she is a sister, but she is a she's she's... married with kids. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. So part of the pod, I'd like to highlight mentors because, you know, just to take it back, I can't help but think of all the big mentors in my life who, personal and, you know, professional, who have made me, you know, either think of myself in a different light or even just think about life and approach it in different ways. So in this part, I do want to highlight um, your relationship with Mary Helen because it seems like she has played such an impactful role that's an understatement, I feel like, at this yeah. point. But yeah, just talk to me about how you guys met and just kind of the dynamics of that relationship. Yeah, we actually talked on the phone yesterday because <laughs> I have her umbrella. But <laughs> um, my first year teaching, we have an intern year and we get a mentor. And Mary Helen was assigned mine by my boss. And I don't think, you know, he thought much of it. She was the most seasoned teacher. Mm-hmm. I was 21 at the time and she was. 70. <laughs> so I don't think that he was trying to, you know, set up a friendship <laughs> yeah. uh, or anything there. Yeah. But it just quickly became that she would just, she's just kind of like a ray of sunshine. She's funny. She's quick witted. And that first year, you know, we had to have meetings together. And so she would be like, let's just go to breakfast instead. And we would just talk and laugh. And then it would spill over into school and everyone was like, you know, the new teacher and Mary Helen are like best friends. Yeah. And she would then started buying me matching shirts with her. And she'd be like, I just thought you'd like this. And, you know, they'd be ridiculous and wonderful because she would always dress so colorfully. And on top of the fact that we just got along in this great way, she was so helpful of, you know, if ever I had questions and she would be like, I can handle that and do things or help me out when I needed them. And she's just laughter and sunshine as a human like personified and we would just we would go on these overnight camp trips with the kids together and i never minded it because i always got to share a cabin with her (laughs) and she always stayed up later than i was able to and then she'd wake up you know like two hours before me 
I'd be like, oh, how am I in my early 20s and unable to do this? And here you are like chatting away at night and I'm yeah. falling asleep standing up. You know, can't say enough good things about her. Uh, she retired last year after 55 years. Yeah. I got to speak at her retirement ceremony kind of thing. We were going to have a big roast of Mary Helen, but COVID kind of, <laughs> uh, I had so much, I had so much like, you, you had a lot of dirt over the years. Yeah, I'm sure. Material, but you know, COVID kind of ruined it. Aww. So she's just a wonderful person. And so much of who I am as a teacher can go back to all the time we spent together. The last year, she actually got to have her desk in my classroom. So the mornings would be like me drinking tea and her drinking coffee and like <laughs> us chatting. All the kids just had to sit there and listen to us chat and <laughs> stuff. And it was wonderful. So kind of taking it back early on, like what was your initial impression just very briefly? Because I'm sure that has changed a lot since. Yeah, I can't other. even remember. I think I probably judged a book by its cover a little bit and yeah. thought she was just, you know, an older woman and was probably really serious and, you know, going to be very traditional in her teaching. And then I think just after a few conversations, the things she would say, I would be like in tears laughing. And then I slowly, you know, just was like, this is great. You yeah. Know? <laughs> totally different. So much energy. Uh, what do you think was one of the biggest first lessons that you've learned from her, especially early on in your career? I think the way sometimes I think if there's older teachers, they don't maybe relate to kids as much. But I think just the way she was able to relate to the kids and like they loved her and she would laugh with them mm. and just, you know, be okay to be goofy with them. And I thought that was great. Do you think that's more about her character or speaks more of like her willingness to learn like new trends? I don't fucking know. Like she probably, I mean, technology is never her thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's just her being able to read the room and her experience of knowing how kids are going to act during certain times and what yeah. they need at certain times and stuff like that. So I think some of that is. See, that's so refreshing to hear because I always, <laughs> that makes me think of like teachers that I had when I was like, grade school and i feel like that takes a certain type of person all ages takes a certain type of person but especially at that age i feel like the ones i have the energy <laughs> right yeah. and it's more of like what i'm getting at is like more of the character yeah they can look past the behavior or yeah, see that absolutely yeah just... the most she would ever say is oh they were being a little booger yeah like if she had a bad day with kids you know like that was that was it <laughs> right but that's a pretty big way to just put up with whatever like she didn't yeah. take it at face value, which is very no. important, especially if you're trying to yeah, prolong never your took career. It personally, she just she was great. Uh, was there ever a moment where she challenged you as a mentor? I don't think that that's within her personality to really like challenge me sure. or anything. Well, like, maybe but... challenge in the sense of like maybe pushed you to try something that did it seem like it was part of you know maybe your approach in teaching or. She definitely could convince me to do anything. I don't like performancey things, and she did convince me one year to be in the talent show with her. Oh, a now pretty infamous performance that we did together. Um, is there footage <laughs> of this? Because I might need this. Yes, there is. If I could find some. Wait. So, what'd you guys end up doing? So we were like, whenever they were between acts, Mary Helen. It started with her telling me about how much she loved the song "Me and My Shadow." Uh huh. And so she goes out dancing to the song "Me and My Shadow," and I came out in a black morph suit <laughs> dancing as her shadow. We oh my again God. to be clear, we did no preparation. 
we didn't practice together. I picked out some songs and then she would just dance across the stage, like in that 30 <laughs> seconds while they set everything up and I would be behind her in my uh, more suit. And it was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I need this for my um, Ellen blackmail. <laughs> I think you'll get too much enjoyment from it. Yeah. I have a few <laughs> with the short time that we were together, but anyways, <laughs> What do you think is um, the best piece of advice or just advice that you remember getting from her? I think that for her, and I think a big part of what made her successful, she would just say things like, you know, well, go home, rest, come back. It'll be a new day. You know, if Mm. you have a bad day, Mm. which is going to happen. You're like, all right, well, I think you need to go home. If I was like stressing about something and being like, drop it for the day kind of thing. She just has a very calming presence. Yeah. That always makes me curious of like when people do make those comments, like what taught them that? Because that's not very easy advice to give. Right. I think it just, again, probably her experience and stuff like that led her to that, I would guess. This is kind of a deep question, but in terms of just letting her legacy live on, what's something that you do want to take from what you've learned from Mary Helen and just either in your personal life or even professionally as an educator? I think that just there's always opportunities to be a positive moment in somebody's day. And I think not just necessarily the kids, but someone else. She would always be like, how are you know, the way she'd ask, how are you today being sincere about it? Or a goofy thing she said where, you know, if someone's having a stressful day, you're able to be a positive moment in that day. And I think that's something that she did a great job of doing to everyone she met at the school. But for me, especially. Yeah, she's she's the best. Dang, that's pretty special <laughs> in the sense that not everybody brings that to work either. You know what I mean? No. And she could do it every, like bright and early, you know? Yeah. Till the end of the day, she had something positive. Man, that also makes me miss just working in a school too, because I feel like that's where I've had the most human experiences in terms of Definitely. You know, like, just like relationships or just getting to know someone at their core. I feel like it definitely brings that back. Yeah. Well, I'm sure she's very proud of you. Um, <laughs> tell her I say hi, even though she doesn't know me, but I, uh, I, I wish will. her well. We're going to get breakfast soon. Okay, yeah. <laughs> now, you definitely have to keep her company with her retirement, I'm sure. But I'm sure yes, she's yes. Uh, staying busy. Yeah, she's babysitting grandkids. <laughs> there you go. So as you are progressing in your career, have you found yourself in a mentor role yourself? Oh, good question. I don't know about in the same position. I've never had like someone I was assigned to be Mm -hmm. a mentor with. I think that there have been moments where I've talked to people who were like newer to something and just like giving them, even if they were just new to the school or something, advice about it, or if someone was teaching something similar to what I have done. And I think somewhat there have been people that I work with who it's more of like a back and forth mentorship where it's like, Mm. I need somebody to either bounce this idea off of until I can get exactly what I'm trying to picture in my head or giving a moment to be like, how would you respond to this kind of thing? So there's some people more like that who I think we both, you know, more of a reciprocal thing. Because I'm curious, like if you kind of go about the same way that you met Mary Helen for all you know. I like to think that whatever you receive, you like, you try to give back. Yeah, absolutely. In small ways, not necessarily like the same way, but. Right. Where it's like, I'm sure those little gestures make a big difference for somebody else too. Absolutely. These next questions are what I like to call hard hitters. So it's a series of questions. Feel free to answer them either with the mindset of your life or even career wise. I'll let you decide. 
So okay. the first question is, what is one life event that you are most thankful for? So you can even think of like how it's benefited you as a person in any way. Right. It's a good question. I guess at some point, partially, it might have been just, you know, either moving away to go to college or moving away on the other side, just to give myself some perspective and to kind of learn to do things on my own and stuff. So I guess in terms of independence and stuff, whenever I first moved away to go to college, which was not far given an hour and a half or so, but something like that and moving across the country, I think in terms of creating an independent person or my ideas on things and what I can and can't, like what I can handle on my own, I guess maybe be part of it. Do you think that surprised you about what you're capable of? At times, I think it also helped me know, you know, that my family's such a big part of, you know, me and I think and my values. And I think that it kind of taught me that, too. So if you were immortal one day, how would you spend your life? So is there something that you're passionate about that you would like to do for the rest of your life? (laughs) I think if we talked about it, if I could somehow make money traveling, whether it be blogging or something, I don't want to be an Instagram influencer, not a scene, but more blogging and writing about things or travel like magazine, something like that, Mm. you know, that would be something that I would love to do. I love traveling. I feel like if I could somehow combine it. Yeah, I think you'd be great at that, actually. <laughs> Again, not like Instagram. Yeah. Because that's just a different crowd, too, I feel like. Yeah, mine would be more about like actual experience, like an on, like honest and awkward experiences, you know, like an <laughs> awkward traveler. Yeah, but it's genuine. <laughs> that's the whole point. Yeah. Like, let me tell you the awkward moments, too, kind of thing. <laughs> let me tell you about the mishaps that happen. It's kind of like right. reality TV, but not. And not like six pictures, so you can see that I'm good at posing in pictures, <laughs> kind of thing. I'm yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me think like who's that? I'm going to sound really uncultured for not knowing his name, but there's a guy whose office is here in Washington. Is it Rick Steves? I think so, yeah. Okay, okay. His office is here. Yeah, I think Rick Steves does live in Washington. Yeah. I recently started following him on Facebook, so it's hilarious that you mentioned him. But yeah, like his job. Yeah. Cuz it's it's different. I can see you in that kind of role, which is really, really (laughs) cool. That would be awesome. The way he reviews things, too, is just not like, oh, this is what you can do here in A, B, and C. It's not like cut and dry. It's literally like he's immersing himself in the culture. And then there's also like funny little segments I think are funny, at least. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That would be the dream job, to be Rick Steves. Or like Anthony Bourdain when he used to go around and eat around the world. Yeah, yeah. That was a great See, show. See, it was so down to earth and it's like those experiences yeah. where it would make you want to be like, man, I want to check out that little corner shop out yes, of like all absolutely. the big things to check out too. It's like, man. Yes, absolutely. It's the human experience, man. I'm telling you. So what is one aspect in your life that you think needs improvement or a little bit more care and attention? Probably stress management. Mm, fair. I definitely think after the past two years and stuff, I, I'm an overthinker and I think that I struggle to turn my mind off and like let things go if I'm stressed. Yeah. So I think that it's something I need to actively work on. What are your usual go-to things to kind of cope with that though? Aside from traveling. See, that's the thing. <laughs> like, that's what's so hard about right now. Yeah. Reading, walking doing something where I'm not able to work or check my email, something like that. No, I feel you on that. I've been, this is random, but I've been going on a lot of night drives. So Ooh, definitely, I love doing that. Those are the best. Definitely recommend those. So, hey man, hang in there. I'm, I'm there <laughs> with you. 
there's a lot of stress and just i don't know i'm feeling anxious lately but you know yeah absolutely yeah the pandemic's been pretty rough but you know yes so what are three things see this is what i follow up with this question what are three things that you're most thankful for right now things i'm most thankful for i mean i think health has to be up there not just in terms of a pandemic but just in terms of like no major health issues going on so healthy is always probably number one yeah number two probably my family you know as a support system probably go with that number three my friends and my dog because luna right yeah yes how is she's a great stress reliever she's great (laughs) (laughs) see it's the simple things that's what i'm saying like it makes such a big impact especially when like I might get insightful real quick, but I feel like when life starts getting crazy and hectic, when you go back to the simple things, I feel like that's such a big eye opener to like what you're really needing at that moment. Absolutely. Like, all right, we're just going to, the dog and I are going to go on a walk and stuff and that really can set things straight. Absolutely. What is something that most people misunderstand about you or that you want them to know about you? I think, because you kind of mentioned it and I've gotten this like from bosses and stuff or whatever that the idea of like things don't usually fluster me and I'm pretty easygoing. I think that it takes training and work to get to that point. Like, I don't think it always comes naturally. I think especially like in my first year teaching things would get to me or I'd get frustrated. And like, I think patience is a learned virtue a little Mm. bit. So I think that is kind of one of them. Yeah, that's a pretty badass skill, I must say. <laughs> I do remember <laughs> just how you responded with this within the time that we did work together. You'd just be like, oh, let's just, why can't we do this? And it's just like, <laughs> you're so level-headed and it's like, man, I'm so glad I'm that you had that approach because I'm used to doing that or at least I yeah, think I right. do that at least. So Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on that. It's definitely not productive when somebody's like, oh my God, I have like all these things to do. And it's yeah, like, exactly. do you want me to help you? <laughs> Do you want me to support you emotionally or do you need... <laughs> like literally do something. Yeah, right. no, I agree. So that's definitely a good life skill, I would say. Not necessarily yeah. just a, a career skill. What's something that you've dreamt of for a long time that you haven't done or at least progressing towards? I always have, I guess part of it goes back to traveling. I always have a new thing on my to-do list of something that would be great with that. I don't know, maybe this will inspire me to like, could I do blogging of some sort? I don't know, to more write something, not like blogging in particular, but just like, you know, how people read, could it be helpful also to write and stuff like Mm. that as a way. So I think that's something I would like to work towards. See, that'd be really interesting. I mean, I'm going to try to push you right now, but (laughs) I think that'd be cool to see because I feel like sharing your experiences can make a bigger impact than you think sometimes. And I think that it's still as powerful through communication when you do tell people about it. But when it's like written or, you know, recorded, I think that's where it takes a totally different form, but still has the same impact in a way. Definitely something to think about because I would read your stuff or watch your (laughs) stuff. Just letting you know right now. I will work. (laughs) Obviously, whatever you're comfortable with, right? And then what advice would you give to somebody who hasn't fully pursued their passions, goals, or full potential in life? I think one thing that would be important for to note is that, you know, like there's no timeline for when you're going to know what's a passion in your life and stuff. And it's okay if that changes over time. I think that would be good advice. Push that further. Do you think that's something that's kind of been weighing on you now that we are a little bit older? 
I'm curious like what your perspective is on that. And I ask because that's something that's been on my mind lately. It is definitely of like, you know, there you can do something and it could be your passion for a long time and it can switch and you can find other things you're passionate about. And it doesn't mean that one wasn't your passion. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that's definitely uh, something that I've been thinking about more too. So to put it simple, what's something that you think somebody should focus on to kind of get past that hump of being paralyzed by like, man, I need to do all these things. I have all these checklists to make or check off. What's one simple line that you would leave that person with? One day at a time, one step at a time. Like if you look at a whole list of things, it's a ton, but don't look at that. Look at it that way. Just focus on the one thing that you're doing. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode and please don't forget to share this podcast with anybody who you think would benefit from anything that was discussed today. Also, don't forget to hit me up on Twitter at hint of underscore lemon and listen to us on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Later.